Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, entertainment, and so much more. You can also catch some of our uh, older game reviews online at uh, finalcentral.com, keyword skewed. Catch me each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISWFM. And, of course, we simulcast on our page. We have a skewed reviewed magazine. The latest issue is almost done, which is going to be featuring our upcoming movie preview. And, of course, we have a lot of other good things out there, including sci-fi radio and uh, many syndicated partners. Now, Michael is usually with us. He's been tied up with some various projects. So Justin and I are going to make this uh, run tonight. And we have a lot of stuff to cover, but it is generally around one topic, So, uh, and that is movies and entertainment. So let me get started with a couple of uh, extra things, and then we'll get right into the bones of the topic tonight. Uh, first off, wanted to mention that Turtle Beach has a fantastic new headset called the Stealth Pro. Now, it is a bit pricey at $329. However, this is an absolute premium premium wireless gaming headset. Not only does it have amazing audio, clear chat, and incredible comfort, it has noise-canceling features, true speak boom microphone, and here's the best fit of all, it is fully compatible. Xbox Series X, uh, One and S, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, PC, Mac, Nintendo Switch, and all Bluetooth equipped devices. One headset for all your needs, and the plates are incredible. You can take out the battery and put in a, it comes with a second battery. So if you're out and about uh, or doing whatever, and all of a sudden it starts to go uh, low on power and you can't plug in to recharge it, just slip in the second battery and just keep going through, especially for the folks who are on the Bluetooth or on the Nintendo Switch, and the sound quality is amazing. I'm looking forward to trying some of the newer games on it very soon, and those are available now at TurtleBeach.com and wherever you buy um, Turtle Beach products. So, Justin, I wanted to bring up uh, this topic because it's unfortunately uh, looming very large. Now, next week we have CinemaCon, and Genevieve and I will be there and Mark will be popping in, and we are going to be doing a couple of days. We're going to be covering the showcases from Warner Brothers, Disney Universal, and uh, see what else is available, hitting up the rooms, checking out the posters, getting all the release announcements. Schedule-wise, can't do the full uh, run of the show, but we're catching a couple of the really big days, and there are some premieres that are going to be happening, and everyone's very excited. Uh, looking forward to potentially seeing something new on Indiana Jones, potentially seeing some uh, closer looks. I know my son is absolutely just going crazy about the possibility of getting something on the Meg 2 finally, the trench, seeing a trailer or at least getting, you know, a poster or something like that. And uh, the whole idea behind this fantastic celebration is not only to celebrate movies and to embrace the stars, but to basically... Um, you know, help the movie theaters understand that they are still the top priority for the studios. Movies are made to be shown in cinemas, so on and so forth. However, against this backdrop, we have a cloud forming, and it is a pending writer's strike. The writers have 
voted to go on strike May 1st when their current agreement is up. Now, this has always been part of their negotiating uh, platform is that they do, um, you know, negotiate and vote on whether or not they're going to go on strike. They overwhelmingly uh, agreed to do so. And then, of course, the two sides have until uh, May 1st to work out an agreement to avoid a labor stoppage. The last time we had one was in 2007, and if I remember correctly, it went on for well over 100 days and caused a delayed um, fall movie season, uh, well, delayed fall TV season, delayed movie season, and so much more. And, you know, right now this has become an even bigger issue because, as we've talked about many times, the theaters are kind of at this crossroads that there are films that are doing exceptionally well and very profitable, but some are not. And so the real tension in this whole situation has to do with the um, presence of streaming. And, you know, most industry analysts are saying Hollywood cannot afford to have this right now. You're getting people going back to the theaters. You're getting people to be more confident in seeing things other than the big blockbusters. Yes, in the short term, you're fine because the summer movies are already locked in and filmed, the fall up through Christmas. But A, it looks bad for you know the general consumer to see people striking. And then B, you don't want to have a delayed fall season. You don't want to see shows that are on the bubble now being canceled. And you don't want to see delays with movies. Now, the thing about it is, like all of these, it's economic. And, Justin, this is where um, it's really going to get um, difficult. So to try to simplify an extremely complicated and difficult issue, folks, the main issue is um, writer's compensation. Now, uh, obviously, writers get paid for their work. And they also receive what are called residuals. And this means that every time that a work that they have written is rebroadcast on TV, rebroadcast, shown in the movies, whatever, uh, depending on their contract, they get a cut of the money. Now, the argument is that with the rise of the streaming platform, they're not getting the cuts that they believe they would be getting if these things were on television. So, for example, something goes on television, it gets into reruns. Something gets on uh, a streaming platform, it's on that. And there are little things like that, you know, hey, I expected this thing to go to the movies, make me some money. I expected it to go around the cable channels. Each time it plays, makes, makes me some money. I expected it to go to TV, make me some money. Now it's being basically shoved right onto streaming. I'm not seeing anything or a much smaller amount. There's also issues of um, a better formula for residuals, sizable increase in minimums on streaming platforms, and minimum staffing requirements for television shows. Um, so, Justin, why don't we start with you? What do you make of all this? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a natural thing that happens when technology changes the industry. So um, I, I don't remember if there was a specific trigger that um, preceded the 2007 writer strike. I was quite young, but I, what I 
Yeah, I mean, it always comes down to money, but this time, it, you know, it seems like it's a it it is a financial argument, but it is based on uh, basically what you just laid out, which is a technology change that has kind of shifted the way the industry works. Um, so, you know, if I was in their shoes, it it makes sense, right? So, um, a lot of these contracts are written in such a way that didn't really consider streaming services as a as a factor. Now where where it gets a little murky and i'm guessing this is going to be something that gets hammered out in negotiations is so let's say the movie is on streaming services um they're going to have to track i mean if it's done the same way they're going to probably have to track how how many times people watch it on that streaming service or you know write the um the contracts in such a way where there's basically a uh a, like a flat fee or something um you know, based on it being on the streaming service, because that that that's kind of one of the issues with streaming services, right? Is that um, it's hard to gauge how successful a show or or a movie is, because you have the subscriber numbers, and obviously internally these companies have some data. They they have to have some data as to what what gets watched and what doesn't. But that information is kind of hard to get at in terms of you know the public obviously doesn't really have much of that information. Um, now my guess is that there's probably going to have to be some kind of, uh, contractual negotiations going on to determine, um, the best way to kind of, uh, gauge that. But I do think that's fair. You know, if, if their work is on streaming services and the, their work is being watched on streaming services, they probably should get a cut of it. Right. The same way that they would have if it was on television. Um, it's going to be very interesting because, the 2007 writer strike i mean that, that was a big deal i mean if you watch tv shows from back then you can tell exactly when the writer strike season happened for your favorite tv show uh it, things would be smooth smoothly running along and then all of a sudden oh my gosh like this this uh this particular season what what happened and then you go look it up and oh it was the writer strike season and some shows i even remember to this day there were some shows that didn't recover um when they came back from writer strike um oh you're absolutely dead yeah, on with that one yeah i mean like here I, I was a big fan of heroes um which had a really stellar first season but uh its second season was you know basically the writer strike season and it did not recover when it came back um it was just not the same and yeah it, that happened to a lot of great tv shows a lot of great tv shows really struggled to find their stride again after the the writer strike so th- this will maybe be a big deal depending on how long it lasts and how severe it is um but you know like i said earlier it's kind of a natural cycle of what happens when technology changes the industry yeah and it, it's uh rather interesting because uh there's just tons of information uh out that and i remember in 2007-8 which was the last one uh the big issue was DVD residuals, and it just goes to show you what a, uh, you know, difficult time. And then, of course, this is kind of where we're seeing the seeds of all of this. They had a provision for what was referred to as new media. And, you know, again, we're taking a very, very, very difficult and complicated uh situation and trying to narrow it down but i remember back in the day uh disney would put out a video around christmas time and they pushed it that 
this is it for at least 10 years. It's only going to be out for a little while. And then afterwards, it goes back in the vault. So people would come out and they would buy these things. Uh, you know, one to watch, one to keep in the archives. Some would start selling them, that sort of thing, in the day and age before eBay. But uh, there was this issue with, um, I want to say Cinderella, it may have been Snow White, but I want to say Cinderella. Let's just say an animated film where one of the actresses was still alive, and apparently she lawyered up and said, hey, you owe me money. And the response was, no, you got paid what you were contracted. And, you know, you were paid to come in and voice these lines for the movie. There you go. You got your, you got your money. You got everything that was coming to you. Well, the courts basically cited, as I remember, that these new forms of media that generate money for the studio should also be covered because at the time nobody could predict things like VHS, DVDs, cable television, things like that. So this has always been the problem. Uh, taking a look back a little retro, the 2007-2008 Writers Guild strike ran 14 weeks. Uh, the one before that ran 22 weeks in 1988. And like I said, that was, that was just an absolute mess. I remember reading, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, major television networks had to hold off the start of their fall TV schedule later than usual. I remember a lot of shows did not debut until late October and into November. Some of them did not start their seasons until early December or early in the next year. You saw things like, uh, at the time, it was unheard of, but shows uh, had shorter runs, so they didn't do the, um, you know, the full seasons that they had planned out. You saw budgets being slashed on shows, so, you know, they were taking much more cost-cutting measures and stuff like that. And as Justin said, some of these things didn't recover. And, you know, some of these things, and this is what's so weird about it, this is not to say filming is not going to continue. Filming will continue, providing the script is already locked in and done. It just means that you can't go out there and say, oh, this scene's not working for me, let's go and rewrite it. Because guess what? Without a rewrite or a script doctor or any of these people, you're kind of out of luck. And so, um, you know, just crazy, crazy stuff like that. And this is really interesting because I have uh, something that I can try to, um, um, you know, give a bit of a clarification on it. So, uh, Justin, do you remember the Sandra Bullock film uh, Bird Box? It came out in 2018. Hard to believe it's been that long already. But it was uh, a big success for Netflix on 2018. Do you, you remember that one at all? Yep. Okay. So uh, this was a big deal, folks. This was a major release with a major star coming for Netflix only. And it has been one of their most successful um, releases. Netflix's initial agreement, and this is uh, according to Variety, regarding Bird Box, was that the Writers Guild of America should have accepted a substandard formula that they had negotiated with the Directors Guild and SAG-AFTRA. Uh, essentially, you know, people were looking at them and saying, well, geez, Netflix hasn't paid their residuals and they basically looked into it and say we've got 216 writers on 139 netflix films plus bird box and they're not getting paid what they should so they went into an arbitrator and essentially 
the arbitrator decided after the hearing that the license fee should be greater than the gross budget of the film. Now, as Justin pointed out, you have a budget to make it, but then you, you know, how do you determine? I know the fabled Nielsen's rating, um, there were, they have a version to track streaming and that sort of thing. Uh, but essentially, after it was all said and done, the arbitrator ordered Netflix to pay the film's writers $850,000 in residuals, as well as uh, $350,000 in penalties. So when everything was all said and done, uh, Netflix has to pony up $42 million in unpaid residuals. Now, you know, do the math here. If you sit there and you take out essentially a million dollars, you have $41 million that's divided up amongst 216 writers. So you can get an idea that this is not small change that we are talking about. This is sizable money that these people, you know, remember, they can write a script and it could be years until um, they get something picked up or so on and so forth. So they rely on these residuals to cover them. I mean, you know, some of these people who write successful movies or shows can be set for life just on the residuals and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, it's pretty crazy, but that gives you an idea where they're at. That's just one small case with one, well, I shouldn't say small because it is a sizable amount of money, but small in the grand scheme of things when you consider the number of shows that are available on all of these streaming outlets and on top of it, the uh, sheer number of streaming outlets and then you know, regular cable television, over-the-air television, and then let's not forget, you also have uh, people dipping their toes into streaming things um, online and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because, Justin, let's not forget, you have companies like Warner Discovery who are trying desperately uh, to shave off, um, uh, what do you call it, trying to shave costs and stuff like this. So... Yeah, that is going to be crazy. Another thing I wanted to mention, moving to more happier grounds, there has been some unconfirmed rumors, I want to be very clear on this, unconfirmed rumors, that the new Alien movie, which is currently under the title Alien Romulus and Filming, will skip its Hulu run and get a theatrical release. So, Justin, what do you make of this? That's interesting. So that's actually, I think, a good sign. I think that shows a level of faith uh on part of the the per the uh the uh uh the studio so if they're if it's coming along if they got a strong script if the if the filming is going along really well uh and it's shaping up to be you know something that they have enough faith in to put into the theaters i think that's generally a good sign you know it, it it's still tough that the alien movies even prometheus struggled at the box office um I mean, Prometheus did pretty well, but uh, Alien Covenant kind of struggled at the box office, and I, I think between Fox kind of falling apart, being gobbled up by Disney, and um, now Disney having a, a franchise that doesn't really fit with their portfolio super well, um, I would have thought that um, the chances of an alien movie showing back up in theaters was actually pretty low. So this is good news. I think I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming uh, of this movie. Um, but the fact that it's filming is means that, uh, you know, 
uh, it's probably going to be a little while before we see anything about it because it's got to go through some post-production and editing uh, before we probably see any sort of marketing for it. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I think this is a good sign, actually. Um, you know, maybe this sort of means that they uh, they have some faith that's actually going to do very well. Yeah, and, you know, I, I do want to be very, very clear on this. The information that I provided was just uh, rumored, of course. There's nothing uh, official from any of the studios or anything on that. It was just picked up by ABP Galaxy, uh, to my understanding, and some other outlets, and it was based on an, a uh, reputable alien podcast. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But um, let me see here. I'm trying to... I have it here, actually. It is SciFeed also picked it up, excuse me. And it says here, do, 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 do. it was a Perfect Organism Podcast uh, were the ones who apparently um, they're claiming that, um, you know, it's going to be get, uh, to get its premiere in theaters is what they're saying. So I need to be clear on that. It doesn't mean that it can't uh, still mainly a hulu thing but you know uh and that's interesting too justin because we were talking about netflix a little while ago and they were saying that as of now they're not going to be dipping their toe into the theatrical release you remember how some of the companies like prime video and apple have uh, played around with releasing some of the films in theaters for a week or two they did that with glass onion that sort of thing and it's interesting because while they're not necessarily focused on doing that it is something they have to consider because under the current guidelines if you want to have a movie up for academy award consideration you definitely have to put it in the theater and netflix did extremely well with that last year with movies like all quiet on the western front which was i mean let's be honest it's a german language film that uh played on netflix and did quite well and there were been some other films that they put out that have uh, had some, you know, Oscar buzz, that sort of thing. So it's going to be interesting to see where this, uh, this goes from here. Now, uh, speaking of movies and such, just, I was just curious, is there anything upcoming that you are overly uh, eager to see or get uh, some news on? Uh, it's really going to be Dune part two. This is the top of my list. Uh, you know, I'm such a huge fan of the Dune novel, and the first movie I felt like knocked it out of the park. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing um, some news, some you know stills or anything. I I think we're a little ways off from seeing a uh, seeing a full blown trailer, but it's supposed to come out towards the end of this year. So uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of surprising. Time is fly is is flying by, but it's we're already in April, so. We're, we're, we're pretty close to halfway through the year, and this movie is supposed to come out in November. Um, so, you know, we're kind of entering the phase where we might start seeing some uh, some new information about Dune, uh, maybe some trailers or anything. But, uh, you know, it's kind of got like a, a pretty wild cast of characters that they're adding. Um, so the top of that list, Christopher Walken as the Emperor um, is going to yep. be very interesting very interesting so um i'm looking that's probably gonna be the top of my list honestly um but you know the aforementioned alien film but i think that's a way ways off so um 
you know, uh, I think there's some some good stuff out there for us to look forward to. I think I will be stunned if Warner Brothers doesn't drop at least a sizzle reel at CinemaCon next week. Because remember, these are shown to a closed door setting of select media and um, uh, theater individuals. This is not for the general public unless they decide to release it to the general public. And I can already tell you, we already have a couple of films that are not out yet that are coming later this year that we've been you know, told we're going to be able to see. If you remember in the past, Ghostbusters Afterlife um, was a surprise showing they had uh, drawn a blank. What, what is that one called? Blackbone? Um, that was shown in its entirety last year. People had a look, a uh, brief look, but they had a quick look at the Borderlands movie, and here we are a year later. Uh, still waiting, and lo and behold, uh, here we are. So, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Now, Justin, another thing I wanted to uh, talk with you about uh, is upcoming movies. Now, we've got some news that Prime Video, uh, who have purchased MGM, and we know that's the Bond franchise and so on and so forth, We've got news that in addition to things like Barbershop Fame, The Magnificent Seven, Pink Panther, and The Thomas Brown Affair, they're looking at RoboCop, Legally Blonde, and Stargate as uh, potential rebate, uh, rebate, remakes that will be theatrical or movies and then also lead into TV series. What do you make of this? Well, I, that's really intriguing. You know, I was a, I was a pretty big uh, Stargate fan um a long while ago so uh, honestly that was a model that worked pretty well for stargate if you remember stargate was a uh not a super popular movie but you know it had its own cult following um you know back in the, the 90s i'm pretty sure it came out and then it, it the, the shows were very very successful um you know it, it somewhat similar um format as as star trek where multiple seasons following a kind of like different sci-fi um anthology it was kind of like an anthology where you know every every episode episodic you, they were dealing with some kind of um sci-fi problem the team was always uh each week and uh you know i i really liked that franchise now whether or not that can really translate extremely well into um you know, modern, uh, sensibilities, modern ways of, of making movies. Um, that's going to be interesting. Star Stargate was a very like nineties, early two thousands, uh, show, uh, movie slash show. Um, and I, I wonder if it will have some of the same problems that Star Trek has had. Um, not, not to say that, you know, Star Trek isn't successful, but, um, it, it, it's hard to avoid the fact that some of the new content, new shows and new movies have been controversial among people who have grown up with Star Trek because it is just, you know, the, the style is very different um, than what it used to be. So uh, Star, Stargate definitely is probably the one that intrigues me the most out of that list. But, um, you know, uh, I think all of those definitely have potential to, to be revived. So I, I'm curious to see how they do it. Absolutely. And it looks like Michael has been able to join us and he is popping in. So, Michael, the topic, uh, I'll get your final thoughts on what our previous topic was. But right now we are discussing 
Um, oh, what do you call it? We are discussing news that uh, Prime Video, since they have MGM, is looking to reboot pretty much the catalog. They're everything from Barbershop, Fame, Magnificent Seven, Pink Panther, Thomas Crown. But the ones that's getting everybody's eyes uh, perked up is RoboCop, Legally Blonde, and Stargate. Apparently, they would do theatrical or at least films and then follow them with TV series. So I'm actually would be open for all of those. I know RoboCop, they did a reboot, which I actually thought was fairly – was it RoboCop? No, I was thinking Judge Dredd. Sorry. Um, RoboCop yeah, actually, had one a few years ago. Okay, so I, I thought so because there, there are actually several um, – of those three – um, Stargate is still one of my all-time favorite films of all time, you know, so how they would reboot that, um, boy, that's a movie I think that still stands, holds up today. Uh, I think, and obviously the series was fantastic with it. I would rather see a fresh take on Stargate versus a true um, reboot, only because, again, I, I still think that's one of my, uh, of, of the more, I don't want to say unknown, because that's not really fair, it was a pretty popular movie, but one of the more obscure movies. It was definitely one of my more favorite ones. Um, obviously, RoboCop, uh, again, any of these 80s ones, a lot of things, there's probably a lot they can do with them as long as the reboots are done well. Um, Legally Blonde, I know there's been a lot of talk about um, Legally Blonde 3 as well as a new Legally Blonde um, reboots. So I think, I think any of those could be pretty good candidates. Again, all those movies are more than 20 plus years old at this point. Um, again, not counting sequels or reboots. Uh, and I think at that point, they're kind of are probably open for reinterpretation. Again, my only concern with Stargate is because I, I, I really thought that movie was was well done, and it's, I think it still holds up fairly well today. So I'd be really curious if it's a strict reboot or if it's going to be a, a, a different take on that, on that film. But overall, I think Stargate uh, or RoboCop series type things could potentially be um, pretty exciting as well. So yeah, I'd be interested in, in those three. Again, now, um, some of the old other titles that you kind of discussed, you know, like uh, Return of the Pink Panther and some of those ones, those may or may not do well depending on the, the, the how they would work those titles. But those three in particular, I think, would have a pretty good opportunity to do something different. It will be interesting because I know uh, as earlier this year, um, there was some talk about the long gestating RoboCop Returns. And for people who don't know, um, Ed Newmeyer, who wrote not only Starship Troopers, who did the original RoboCop, he wrote the sequel. And, uh, and I'm not referring to RoboCop 2. He wrote the sequel called RoboCop Returns. And it kind of fell into limbo because... He was tied up working on another project. Um, the director of the original did not want to, um, uh, you know, Verhoeven did not want to be involved with this. He wanted to move on to other projects. So as you can see, they went that way. Well, uh, it's been kicking around the pipeline forever. And supposedly uh, there was some talk that it was going to be, you know, moving forward, and some of us thought, okay, there's this new RoboCop video game coming out. It looks like they're kind of positioning things to, uh, you know, get RoboCop back into the forefront of the pop culture, do the video game, do the movie thing. And so it will be interesting to know. I, I would 
guess they probably may not use this script. I mean, to give you an idea, uh, back in 2018, it was assumed that Neil Blomkamp was going to direct it. And so, uh, you know, he is not, and so on and so forth. And then, um, you know, it, it's kind of that running joke, unfortunately, that it's fallen into that category with the unmade alien sequel and so on and so forth. But at least it does seem to be um, like there's some kind of um, momentum on this. Now, what's really interesting is Justin talked about Stargate. And I remember years ago uh, that I got a chance to interview Dean Devlin when he was um, promoting a TV show that he was involved in. And for those of you who don't remember, Emmerich and Devlin were the people behind it, Independence Day, um, it being Stargate, not the horror uh, film series. And he had said to me at the end, I said, hey, you know, would you mind? There's a couple of things I've been curious about. I hear all these rumors online and I, you know, I'd like to hear it from you directly. And he's like, no problem. So I asked him about Stargate and Independence Day. And at the time, this was before the Stargate, uh, before the Independence Day sequel came up. And he said, you know, essentially Independence Day was only planned to be a one of. And when it became this massive hit, um, naturally talks came to a sequel. But then we had events happen in the world and we didn't think wholesale destruction of a city was a wise idea. Time has gone on. Perhaps we'd consider something new. He said, as for Stargate, they had always planned a three-movie series. And what happened was the TV shows came along. And he said they went in directions that we were not planning on going. So we had decided it's best to let all the TV shows and their various permutations play out. And then we'd be able to consider coming back and doing something. So that's kind of where they're at right now. I mean, the TV shows have played out. They tried that Stargate Origins a few years ago as a web series. It didn't uh, really click with people. And so there we are. You've got this property right there. You've got Jeff Bezos, who's a huge science fiction fan. And so the question would be, would he bring Devlin and or Emmerich back involved? Or would it be a completely fresh take? Who knows? But interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, the final thing I wanted to bring up is uh, just a quick reference. X Defiant is in beta right now, so if you want a chance to enjoy some free-to-play video gaming um, uh, goodness from Ubisoft that takes uh, a little bit of some of their bigger franchises like Division, like uh, Rainbow Six and others, and incorporates some of the characters into a uh, team-based battle that's there. Later this week, we're going to get the news on their plans for Division, including a Division mobile game the free-to-play Division game, as well as what's coming with the Division 2. So, Michael, I'm going to give you the final word here, since you came in late. A little earlier, uh, Justin and I were discussing the pending writer's strike that's uh, hitting up uh, mainly the big, big issue seems to be residuals for streaming. And we talked about how Netflix had to pay $42 million to about 216 writers once it went through arbitration in unpaid residuals and the one that got everyone's attention uh was the writers for bird box who got essentially eight hundred thousand in change and then three hundred and fifty thousand in uh penalties i believe it was somewhere in that range but very close to a million dollars in unpaid residuals and penalties uh 
LA Times, a lot of outlets are saying Hollywood cannot afford a writer's strike right now because while they can continue with scripts that are already approved, they're trying to get people back in the theaters. Uh, while it wouldn't affect the immediate output, it would affect the long term because you would see shorter seasons, smaller budgets, shows that are on the bubbles possibly being canceled, and you know movies either being delayed or abandoned outright. So do you have a take on all of this? Yeah, I was trying to remember. When was the last writer's strike? Was that in 2007. Oh, 2007, okay. So it was about 100 days, if I remember right. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I mean, I would agree that right now, with the state of the industry, particularly from a um, theatrical perspective, um, I think streaming will would be impacted because also because, again, we've kind of talked about um, previously that um, fresh content, new content is what keeps people subscribing to the premium services. I mean, sure, there's a lot of back catalog stuff um, for various streaming services, uh, but it really is the new upcoming shows and that sort of thing that kind of maintains that um, subscription rate, particularly if those shows are coming in a regular basis. If they're not, or they dry up, or, or something like a writer's strike were to put those shows on a, even let's say even say a six-month delay, I would think that the revenue, both from a streaming perspective, could be ser- seriously impacted just because of the fact that um, people don't really want to pay for something if they're just going to be able to watch stuff on regular TV or, or, or back catalog stuff. Um, so I, I definitely think that would put a dent in that. Also, with the way the pandemic was, if we're talking about a theatrical perspective, um, the theaters are just starting to get back on their feet with um, you know, upcoming films. And I think any, what we did see with the pandemic is that anything that tends to set schedules back, even if it's only six months or seven months, it's hard for those companies to recoup that. And, and even if we're, we're, you know, a writer strike lasts a month or a couple of months, you know, through arbitration or whatever, um, that sets everybody back. Scheduling, um, filming, it starts interfering with other schedules for other uh, projects that are in the works, um, which then pushes out dates for releases. Again, whether that's locally streaming stuff or, or theaters, that all drives things back. And that was, that was similar to what we saw with the pandemic. I mean, a lot of places shut down, which is kind of what would happen in this situation. Um, and the ones that didn't shut down were very restricted on what they could do, what they could release. So I just think overall that um, the, 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 the industry overall um, just really isn't in a good position to avoid something like this. Again, they're just finally getting caught up on pandemic-related things. I would say that we're not even there yet. Um, so something like this would, would set us back even further. And again, I, I don't know. I, I think when you're not, I think what they should be looking at is paying folks their the money they owe them, and, and actually made you know, you know, doing the contracts correctly as they should. Um, again, an understanding that right now that's kind of what's keeping the industry afloat. Yeah, and what's really interesting is I was telling Justin, we have CinemaCon next week. That's going to be rather interesting. My guess is they probably just won't touch it because officially they have until May 1st to reach an agreement um, or at least make enough progress for the writers feel they don't need to go on strike. But it's going to be very interesting to basically have companies out there pitching, you know, what an exciting time it is. And here's all of our 
summer movies and here's all of this and here's all of uh, the fall and, you know, our long-term plans. And, you know, at least with these, and this is where it gets really funny, is you could say, well, that probably won't be affected because some of these are already in the lot in, in place. But then I think back to last year where they talked about, oh, we're going to do a Spider-Man spinoff, El Muerto with Bad Bunny. And that was announced on stage during the Sony presentation. Well, Bad Bunny's now saying, yeah, there's really been no progress on it. Apparently they don't have a script and they, you know, aren't getting anywhere and so on and so forth. So that's the exact kind of thing. You know, if that's if the strike hits, that's the kind of thing that doesn't get developed. And that's the point where the studio could come in and say, you know what, this thing's gone. And so, you know, there you have it. Well, that's going to do it for us this week, folks. I hope everybody has a very good week ahead. We'll look forward to talking to you next week when I get back from CinemaCon. And until that time, take care.